This is the Payback Time Podcast, where we interview driven individuals who have achieved or are well on their way to achieving financial freedom. We break down the steps required to generate leveraged income, including but not limited to stock investing, online business, traditional business, and real estate. Each episode breaks down the mistakes made, victories achieved, and the overall journey that led them to where they are today. Sean Tepper is your host, and here is today's episode. Imagine turning a real estate investment of $14,000 into $300,000. How would that make you feel? My next guest has been a real estate investor for over 30 years. She's invested in properties that produce passive income for her and her husband. She's invested in properties that have funded her children's education. And she's even donated a few of her properties to help those in need. This is a highly educational episode on real estate investing, and I know you're going to love it. Please welcome Kim Avant-Bab. Kim, how you doing? I am awesome. I'm so awesome, Sean. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. All right. Why don't we kick things off here? If you could, tell the audience your career backstory. And that's an interesting question because I live a very multifaceted life. So career sounds very singular. However, over my career journey, it's been running on three separate tracks, to be honest with you, multifaceted. Uh, My formal training is as an artist. I'm a fashion designer, and I've had a Hmm. uh, fashion design company for more than a decade called Amina Designs. I make one-of-a-kind and limited edition garments for women. Uh, More importantly, I have a mentor program called Pass the Torch, where I teach adults and children uh, about the rudiments of of sewing, fashion history, entrepreneurship, money management. So that's my creative side. Sure. My real estate side, personal business, is bad properties. I'm in partnership with my husband. That could be a challenge, but we worked through it for the last Mm -hmm. 40 years. Um, so we grew um, Bad Properties. It's more than 30 years old. Uh, we started out buying single family properties, started investing. So that's my personal uh, real estate business. This, then on the professional career side, over the last 30 years, I've worked in academia as a procurement professional. I've worked in transportation, dealing with civil rights and minority women business inclusion in major contracts. And the last 23 years of my career, I've worked for the state of New Jersey. And I recently, and I was sharing with you, Mm -hmm. recently retired, not even a week ago, as chief strategy officer at the New Jersey Redevelopment Authority, where I have grown tremendously professionally, um, been in a number of different uh, positions from business development, finance. Uh, We do real estate development investing in urban cities all across the state of New Jersey. So I've honed my professional skills there. The last decade, uh, I was an entrepreneur within the authority, mm-hmm. leading a team and taking a vision uh, into reality. And that is building the Redevelopment Training Institute, where we have classes to teach individuals how to do real estate development anywhere and everywhere. So that's my career track. It's on a three-track prong, but I'm very excited about my journey. That's pretty cool. So it sounds like real estate has definitely been a strong, consistent foundation of your background, right? Um, Yeah. Both on the full-time professional career side, and then it sounds like you and your husband have had a side business for 30 years. 
Yes. And now you are, you're pretty much full time now. You're retired from? 120% of my time is dedicated to our real estate business now. Got it. Okay. So let's dive into the type of real estate investments you do. You said single family. You said you started there. Has that transitioned into anything else like multifamily? Can you talk about that a little more? Yeah. So if I can go back to our start, really, mm -hmm. uh, which is over three decades ago, I call it a motherly nudge. So my mother-in-law, who was 70 and still buying real estate, uh, where she lived really encouraged us to start buying real estate and we were young new family didn't have a lot of money but she would encourage us to buy so she actually helped us purchase our first investment property uh, my husband grew up in Philadelphia that's where my mother-in-law lived until she passed away uh, in the first ring neighborhood of Center City called Graduate Hospital which is totally gentrified today but that's where he grew up and that's where we purchased our first property in 1994 Okay. Our first investment property in 1994 uh, for $14,000. My mother-in-law helped us buy that property. And she, the deal she made with my husband, after we kept saying, Mom, we don't have the money. She's like, listen, she was an a, a avid saver. So she made a deal because she had two properties next door to each other. She wanted to buy one. She wanted us to buy the other. She told my husband, I will give you the $14,000 that I have saved up for you as your inheritance now with the understanding that when I die, you will not get an inheritance. So my husband was like, sure. We bought that property for $14,000 in 1994. Um, and that's how we got our start in investing. We, we did a full gut rehab back mm -hmm. then for $40,000 down to the studs. Wow. Um, we did a burr before we knew what that meant in 2003, pulled 180,000 out of that property. And our model is acquisition gut rehab of single family rentals that we self-manage. And that first investment property was the first property we ever put on the market. And we did that last year and listed it for $360,000. So when we talk about building wealth through real estate, that's a phenomenal case study of how you can buy in the right area at the right time for the right price and build build well. That's an impressive return. So let's look at the numbers a little bit. You bought the property outright for 14,000. You said you put 48,000 into it. 40,000. 40, in renovations. Okay. Yes. And then you sold the house for, you said 300. You put it on the market for 360. 360. Got it. Impressive. Over 30 years. That's a solid return. I'm talking about a 670 ROI, percent ROI on that. Yep. Yep. Now you said you focus primarily on you invest and then turn them into rental properties as opposed to flipping them. Is that correct? correct. Okay. Yes. So this, this sounds like a unique situation where you have an opportunity to list it, to sell, make a big profit. Yes. Yes. And yeah, that was, that was, and our model has been to buy the cow, you know, if you equate that to rental properties, yeah. and just the cow into future generations. So, you know, you basically do the burrs, you leverage, and that's been our model. Got it. So fairly single family, yeah. Now, burr is a term I'm actually not familiar with. My specialty is not real estate investing. So could you talk about that a little bit? Sure. And the burr is an acronym for buy, renovate, got to get those R's together. Buy, <laughs> renovate, rent, uh, refi, and repeat. Got it. Buy, okay. rent, refi, and repeat. 
Got it. So basically you're leveraging the equity in that property. Yep. And we others. actually did Yeah, yeah, to buy others. And and after that first investment property, the one we just talked about in reference to the numbers, we we pulled 180,000 out back in 2003, got bit by the bug and used that yep. equity to buy other real estate. Got it. Okay. Now you said you and your husband managed the property on your own. So just to clarify, you do not have a property management company? No, we are self-managers. And it's interesting that you asked that because, uh, you know, we have, we have really honed our skills on property managing, our, mm -hmm. our managing our own real estate. And um, actually over the years have developed a system um, of, of documents and, and procedures that have helped us to manage successfully so much that we had an aha moment about five or six years ago when we realized, because we not only managed our properties, we've had up to 10 units. Uh, we've managed my mother-in-law's properties and other family members over the years. So up to 20 units we've, we've managed and we have a 0% eviction rate. Really nice. We have a 0% eviction rate. And I don't know if you want to talk about that now, but, but that report card, that stellar record has really um, allowed us to say, okay, we, we want to help those 16 million other small landlords have a system to self-manage and or to understand the components of property management so that when they hire a property manager, they know what's involved. Yep. And so we basically took our property management system to market and launched Landlord Docs 30 this year, which is a downloadable digital property management bundle that will take you from soup to nuts if you want to self-manage. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I like where this is going because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here on the percentages, but I know a property management company will typically charge between eight and 15% of the monthly rent. Is that correct? Yes. So your bundle here, you can pretty much go to a landlord and say, Hey, you don't have to pay that. Here's how you can manage it on your own. Use our program. Exactly. And these 17 documents will give you everything from the rental application. Mm -hmm. We have scripts of questions that you can ask the landlord, the employer. We have uh, the actual lease. Our lease is a 10 page lease that is basically a general template and you can, you can customize it depending on what state you're in. For sure. We have addendums for plumbing. We have addendums for bed bugs. So we have all the documents that you need to actually self-manage your own property. Nice. Okay. Is this located in, I want to get in the technical details. This is, in some cases, I like to go there. Is this hosted on some kind of software platform or do you have it on WordPress and people just, do they pay and then download right away? How does it work? Yes. Uh, we have a website, LLDocs30. That's LLDocs30.com. You can go there and learn a little bit more about Bad Properties LLC all about Landlord Docs 30. You can purchase it right there and you can down, it'll be sent to you in an email in a downloadable form. Uh, we have the full bundle. We also have what's called a starter bundle. So if you cool. don't want the full bundle, you can get the starter bundle, which gives you the application, the different scripts and the questions. And if you come back, you can get the finisher bundle. So if you just need the lease and all the addendums. So we kind of broke it up depending on where you're at in the game. Got it. Now, my audience likes uh, metrics. They like data. So can you give us some of the price points and the different options here of this product? Sure. So the full bundle is 298 
Uh, the starter bundle is $129.99. Nice. And then the finisher bundle is $179.99. Got it. Very reasonable, it sounds like, in comparison yeah. to paying, you know, let's say we'll just use an average number here of 10 to 12% per month over the duration of 12, 24, 36 months. You can sounds like you can save a lot. Now, in that I'm assuming there's probably coaching or education on how to hire, like, let's say an electrician or a plumber, or that kind of stuff, because it's not going to teach you how to do those manual labor jobs, correct? No, the, the Landlord Docs 30 does not get into to that detail of the right. property management piece. It gives you basically the platform and the documents to manage it yourself. Now, what we can do is talk about coaching. Um, I offer landlord coaching mm -hmm. and also offer landlord um, workshops. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because Can't... landlording is a skill set. Yeah. I have to right. say that everybody doesn't have the acumen to landlord. Landlording is a business and it is a skill set. So if you feel that you're lacking anywhere or you're a newbie or you're a wannabe or you're an existing landlord and you need some help, I can definitely coach you. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you wish you would have bought some stocks earlier? Imagine buying Amazon for $125 in 2010. Today, Amazon is over $2,500. Imagine buying Facebook for $25 in 2013. Today, Facebook is over $200. Imagine buying Netflix for $60 in 2014. Today, Netflix is over $400. Do you feel like you find out about great stocks too late? What if you could find great stocks before they become mainstream news? And what if there's a software that found those stocks for you? With Ticker, you can find great stocks before what feels like the rest of the world finds out. Does this sound too good to be true? Check this out. Ticker was back-tested from 1999 through 2019 and has proven to beat the market every year. The lowest return was 10% and the highest return was 96%. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. That's T-Y-K-R dot pro. Again, ticker dot pro. Let's just pause on the coaching for a second. We'll circle back. I want to talk about the landlord docs, which is pretty cool. Are you using some kind of um, advertising platform to market it like Facebook ads, or are you just depending on like organic traffic and organic leads? Can you tell us how you market and sell it? So we do have a website. We are present on social media, on IG, on Facebook. Mm -hmm. uh, and those are the two main platforms that we promoted. We do podcasts. Uh, we take opportunities to be presenters and speakers at different real estate forums. Again, we just launched this in February, so it's brand new. And there's ah. a world of opportunity uh, that we have not tapped yet in reference to marketing Landlord Docs 30. We're excited about it. Yep. No, it sounds like a great introductory product because you're allowing people to pay a lower price point to do something on their own, which can then level up to the coaching service. So let's talk about the coaching a little bit. Do you, do you structure your coaching as like uh, per hour, per session, or is it spread out over months? Like give us the structure of your coaching model. Sure. So the coaching is a minimum of two hours at a set rate. And we basically, you know, pull you in through um, a discovery document to mm -hmm. see where you are in the game, right? To see where we need to hone in and help you specifically. And that's coupled with an interview by you to see what your need is. I mean, some people I've coached 
Um, they've been landlords for years, but they're really lacking on the screening technique. Because what we know and what we've proven as a company is that the silver bullet is on the screening. And so I will coach a landlord who's been a landlord for years specifically on the coaching. So they'll market their um, property. They'll bring back the top three or five uh, potential applicants and we'll walk through that. I will coach them through and obviously not fish for them, but teach them how to fish. Let's think about what you're analyzing. Let's look at the data. What do you think so that we can create that muscle memory so that the next time they are marketing their product, I'm not there. They, you know, gathered the skill set and they can do it on their own and feel comfortable and confident. Yep. You're touching on something really key there. I think a lot of people think about real estate and they think about, okay, I have to raise or get this much money to make the investment. And then the technical details of painting the walls and all that kind of good stuff, which is fine, but you just hit on it. The most important component is that renter and how yes, yes, getting the right renter can make your life very easy or full of headaches. And, and the other piece, Sean, that I find is very important that I talk about in my presentations, and that is the psychology of the tenant mm-hmm. and the psychology of the landlord. Like, what's your motivation for being in real estate right. in the rent and hold model? And many times those motivations and those, the psychology is what drives your decision-making process. Yep. If you're in it for the money and you're motivated by money, I just had an applicant uh, that's, you know, interested in one of our properties that is, you know, self-employed. Uh, and I'm already keen in on the fact that there are some questionable, so there's some questions about his, his, his qualifications. And that is, he's willing to pay us up front for the next six months. Hold up, dude. Mm-mm. Mm. I'm not motivated by money. So when we talk about what's your motivation as a landlord, it really drives you to the decision-making process. If I was motivated by money, I'd say, hmm, he's willing to give me six months of rent up front, I might take it. Conversely, because we're not, and we we cherry pick our tenants. That's why we're able to have a 30 year 0% eviction rate because the psychology of the tenant has to be right. It's gotta be a stable income. Mm-hmm. We need to scrub you up and, and scrutinize you. I'm not gonna go there, but you know, I mean, it could be some illegal activity that allows him to have six months worth of cash sitting somewhere to offer to me. I don't want that kind of tenant. So it's important to understand what your motivation is and your psychology and the psychology and the backstory of that tenant. One of the things that we do in our screen, which is a little unusual, is we do a site visit of a shortlisted tenant. We want to go where you live. We want to see how you're living because how you live there is how you're going to live in our property. No kidding. Wow, that's thorough. Yeah, yeah. And we have at least in two instances, um, denied uh, an applicant based sure. on the living condition. Because sure. if we're going to put forty to $70,000 in a whole gut rehab of a new property, you're moving into a brand new house. Right. It's our asset. And if you're living below our standard over there, you're going to bring that into our unit. And totally. we have to maintain a certain quality and a certain standard. It's, it's very thorough up front, a lot of due diligence, but if you want to do it right, that's how you have to do it. So, be, be, Because the fact is in real estate, you know, it's all about not only building the asset, but cash flow. So if mm-hmm. I can't do 
projections based on a solid tenant's ability to pay and maintain our assets because I haven't done my due diligence, then I can't be on fire, Sean. I can't That's be right. dependent, you know, it, and, and it's so many nightmares out there that I hear and I read about with landlords and, mm, you know, dismissing the, um, the, the, the vehicle of building wealth because of frustration. And it's primarily hinged on, you know, headache tenants and bad business decisions as it relates to that real estate asset. Yeah. And I yeah. want to help. I want to help you be successful. So if I can give you the tools and, and our journey and our experience and, and our wisdom, I want to pour that into you so that you can build generational wealth and so that you can be on fire, i.e. financially independent. Yes, absolutely. Um, and you'll, you'll start them off on the right foot. I, I like that, that coaching in the beginning. I think most people getting into the landlord space would need that. Um, otherwise you're kind of going in blind and you make one, one mistake with a bad tenant, you can regret being a landlord immediately. And, and these are the statistics. There are approximately 46 million rental units in the United States, right? Okay. 16 million are owned by small landlords like us who own between one, two, five, ten 10 units. The balance are owned by those big uh, real estate investment you know, organizations that own 100 unit towers and, and things like that. Our focus is on that 16 million because people end up owning real estate for different reasons. For mm -hmm. example, you might inherit it because your parents died, right? And you just fell into it. You don't have the business acumen, you don't have the background and you're winging it. So, but that can be a great springboard to create generational wealth. Yep, absolutely. So let's, this is a good segue back into the real estate component because you and your husband, Ben, you know, investors in real estate uh, investment properties for years. And can you give us an idea of the portfolio built up? Was it primarily composed of single family or did you diversify to other um, multifamily? Can you break that down a little bit? So our portfolio right now are primarily single family units in okay. Philadelphia in two, um, you know, outer ring neighborhoods from Center City. Very, very prime real estate right now. Uh, we had the foresight when we were in the acquisition mode mm -hmm. about 10 years ago to buy a vacant lot adjacent to our one of our units. And so um, our goal right now is to scale up into multifamily units. So our goal also is to get into a new construction. So with, you know, minus COVID-19, we were on, on schedule this year to do our first new construction and to do our first flip. Uh, cool. to then leverage that and support the acquisition or the, the new construction of a multifamily unit. Was, Our goal is to basically m multiply the number of doors that we have. Got it. That's, that's exactly where I was going about this property. Is it, you know, based on the size, you just answered my question, which is, is this big enough for a multifamily or is it just, yep, just there for a single family? So it sounds like multifamily. Yep. No, this, 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 this lot that, that we have, which was a, another great investment we just you know had the foresight to acquire it and uh we we've owned it for probably about 13 years we brought it for we actually bought it at auction we battled against the other neighbor on the other side and we bought it for eleven thousand, right wow. and today at market it would go a vacant lot in this neighborhood right location right price at the right time goes for like 125 just for nice so but our but 
three-story roof decks, single family in that neighborhood are going for 450. Wow, nice. Our goal is to get our feet wet in new construction. It'll be a single family, it's not zoned for multi, to build it and then flip it. That's a smart play. Well done. Yeah. So I have to ask this question because you, you have been very financially intelligent with your investments going back 30 years, but you continue to work full time, you know, great career. But were there moments through that timeline when you thought, hey, what if I, if I retired really early and just went full time with real estate? Did that ever cross your mind? Uh, recently, yes, not, not 10 or 15 years ago. So one of the other motivations for my husband and partner and I to really grow our real estate portfolio was a few reasons. Number one, after my mother-in-law helped us buy that first property, we saw the light bulb, right? And we realized that real estate, this is a thing. Once we saw that case study, right? The investment and in, in the return or the ability to pull out. We had children and we always instilled on the, in the, the, the benefit and the importance of education. And mm -hmm. as parents, we said, okay, how are we gonna pay for college? So our first thought was to buy a property for each child and the positive cash flow would satisfy their college you know, nice. debt uh, tuition. Uh, but then more importantly than that was, I've been downsized over my career twice. My husband was downsized once. It ain't a good feeling. Right. Okay? When your revenue stream, your full-time nine to five is interrupted. So that motive us, motivated us again to say, we don't ever want to be in that position where we're relying on, we don't control our lifestyle based on our income. So that's another reason why we started building real estate. So we would have that reoccurring uh, revenue stream to support our lifestyle and not depend on our nine to five. So our nine to fives have complemented our ability to grow our real estate. And, you know, they've been great, um, you know, um, you know, learning paths for me personally. I mean, I've had a stellar career and I think the timing is everything when you, you know, think about answering your question. And if you set goals, mm -hmm. uh, then, then you can get there. My family, uh, have, they've used tennis, you know, over the years as a recreational sport. I haven't gravitated towards it until recently. So I'm now studying the game and I'm really not into sports, but I'm studying tennis right now, right? And it's all about, having a playbook. How do you play singles? How do you play doubles? Basketball, football, hockey, they all have playbooks. So I, I equate that to answering your question. We've had a playbook. Yep. We created a playbook. And me retiring from my nine to five, not even a week ago, was in the playbook. Yes, for a while, I imagine. Yeah. And, and so we were methodical about real estate acquisition, spending less than what we make, mm -hmm. managing our debt, creating a lifestyle within that means, and then, and then you know, hitting, hitting the goals. Let's take a quick commercial break. Do you feel like stock investing is too confusing, too time-consuming, or too risky? It doesn't have to be. Introducing Ticker, an easy-to-use platform that guides you to low-risk and high-return stocks. Ticker has proven to beat the market every year for 20 years. From 1999 through 2019, the lowest annual return was 10% and the highest return was 96%. Get started today with a free trial. Visit ticker.pro. I've talked to other guests who also invest in real estate and they also do it the same way you did it, which is they maintain 
one line of income, whether it's a full-time job or they have another business, maybe a service business, but they do have real estate on the side as supplementary income. I really like what you did there, the strategy of using a property to help fund a child's education. Um, that way you're not pulling out of your own salary, your own investments. It's, you know, it's taken care of. You've got this bucket producing revenue done. That's, that's wise. And, and, and to, you know, sharpen the point on, on that comment, our, our children are adults now. Our youngest mm -hmm. is 31 years old. So that college debt is paid off. Yep. So the revenue stream from those properties now go into, you know, our our, our revenue. Yes, exactly. There, so you pretty much told them like, hey, this is going to help fund your education, but this is still our property. We, yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Smart. Um, how large did you, I'm curious, I have to ask because my audience is going to want to know, but how large was your portfolio? How many different doors do you and your husband have today? Mm -hmm. So um, we, we, we grew our doors. So we've managed up to 20. We okay. grew our door to, uh, to actually 10. Uh, we actually donated two of our properties uh, a few years ago to a nonprofit organization uh, to transform them into one uh, transitional housing and cool. the other uh, housing for homeless. So they were just on our books. We went into this buying frenzy. And so we donated those two. So we're actually down to eight. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. hey, props to you. That's those two houses and their purposes there, one for the, uh, re, um, you said homeless and one is for the rehabilitation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, awesome play. Good for you. Um, okay. Uh, I have to ask this. Did your husband retire as well? So you're doing this full time together? No. Okay. <laughs> Still working full time, but we are working his plan and he's on a timeline as well. Good. Good for you. Well, now that you are full time with this, I assume that's going to help speed up his timeline. Your team working together. Yep. Nice. Yes. Yes. Okay. Great. Well, this, this gives me a lot of great data on uh, your business model and what you're doing. Um, I do have to ask this question, you know, when building a business, you can face darker times and tougher times and mindset comes into play. Can you tell us about a story um, or a circumstance that you faced a difficult time with business and how you overcame that? Sure. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the 2008 real estate crash, mm -hmm. right? Uh, where the real estate market was in flux and lenders were very, you know, constrained, they were conservative. And we were at a growth point at that place. And we had a lot of equity in our units and we wanted to grow. Um, and we had put in for a refi on a particular property to pull out the equity. And the lenders, they basically flipped the table on us and because they were constricting because of the real estate crash. They didn't want to sure. lend. However, we were viable applicants. We had the equity. We had the resources. We had the credit score. And they would not lend us the money. And mm. they tried to make it look like it was our fault. And we stood firm and pushed back. That was a hard time for us because we were being, what am I trying to say? Like, like we were, you know, dealing with, with the consequences of the market, but we were ready to go forward. We were ready to pull a trigger. And that was such a frustrating experience that 
And we were with that lender for like 20 years prior to that. Oh, wow. And, and, and I'm telling you, I wrote to the president of this particular bank and we pulled all of our money and closed all of our accounts because of that situation. So I think, I think you know, the lesson in that situation is that as consumers, we have power, right? And as long as we are doing all that we are supposed to be doing, we can't control what's going on in the economy. But we were, you know feeling the wrath of it. Um, mm-hmm. And they didn't want to hear or be uh, considerate to still doing business with us because they were constricting uh, that we had to, you know, act as consumers and say, okay, no problem. We've been loyal to you. Well, guess what? We may just be a grain of sand on the beach of your customer base, but we're pulling our money and we know people and we'll spread the word that, you know, you really haven't treated us well. So that was a little headache, but we got through it. That circumstances like that are so shocking, like 20 years of probably being a great customer to them. And then for them to just turn on you like that, that's frustrating. Yeah, I did. And we understood, I mean, 2008 was the major real estate crash, but mm-hmm. time is everything. We were doing everything, right? So why, why penalize us? Right, exactly. Okay. Well, I want to jump into the rapid fire round here. This is the, uh, this is a fun round where we're going to learn who Kim really is. So you ready? Yes. (laughs) We're going to have a little fun here. All right. So if you could answer each question in 15 seconds or less, here we go. All right. What is your favorite podcast? I am a bigger pockets fan and they do a podcast on how to buy multifamily units. So nice. I've heard of it. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? Definitely not just one, but two in 15 seconds. One sure. is I this a couple times a year and I listen to an audio tape. It's called Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. Phenomenal quick read. Uh, and the other, if you're in the real estate space, is called The Color of Law by Richard Rothstein. It's a great read if you really want to understand, uh, you know, land use in the United States and how real estate really got to be. Got it. All right. What is your favorite movie? Wakanda. Um, Black Panther. Black Panther. Yeah. Black Panther. Love it. Love the movie. All right. What is your favorite food? Mexican. Mexican. Good choice. All right. How many hours do you work per week? 60 plus. Do you? Even, even in retirement. Yeah. I have a really, really strict schedule. Yeah. But you love what you do. So it's not like you're working all the time. No, exactly. That's great. All right. How many hours do you sleep each night? Oh, man. I'm like a hard sleeper. Minimum six hours. Uh, eight is, is, is a good space for me. But minimum, yeah, six. Six to good. eight. Good for you. I, I like to ask that question because I think a lot of people, especially entrepreneurs, undervalue sleep and the power of good sleep. Um, believe it or not, most people who answer that question usually don't say a number higher than eight. <laughs> and I'm, I'm kind of surprised at times, but um, yeah, so good for you. You're reaching eight. I'm, I'm up at 6 a.m. every morning, so I, but there I do get go. my rest. All right. What is your workout regimen? What is my workout regimen? Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe and support and um, underscore the value of self-care. I, I'm, I give myself at minimum an hour a day. I am a cyclist. Uh, cool. I'm a runner. 
And uh, my lifetime goal in running and cycling now is to run in all 50 states and on all seven continents. So I'm always uh, exercising my body and keeping my mind healthy. I listen to a lot of motivational, uh, uh, you know, um, conversations and I exercise every day. Awesome. Good for you. Great regimen. All right. Last question here. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I thought about this question, Sean. So my answer is (laughs) because we got married at 23. We brought our first home at 24. So I would go back to my 24-year-old self Mm -hmm. and encourage myself to buy more real estate, to take that first property, not the investment property, but our first primary home and leverage it to buy more real estate. Smart. That's what I tell myself. Yeah. You know what, your, your answer is very much in line with a few other people who I've interviewed that are in real estate investing. They would go back to that younger self, buy more at that time. Because we basically lost 12 years between buying our first home and our first investment home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But who knew? I mean, you know, we were young and a little irresponsible. It, and- it, right. And it's one of those things where you don't know what you, you don't know. You're getting into it. You, you're risk averse. You don't want to throw all your eggs in one basket. So you're trying it. But yeah, when, when you have that experience, you'll look back like, oh, shoot, I should have. <laughs> and and so. that's why in every conversation, in every interview, I give so much credence to my mother-in-law for showing us the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, she nudged us for a lot of years prior to finally making it happen for us. So I give thanks to to her tremendously. Good advice. Perfect. All right. I will turn it over to you. Where can the audience reach you? So we are on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under LL Docs. That's L-L-D-O-C-S 30. Website, you can find us at www.lldocs30.com as well. And on LinkedIn, you can find me personally under Kim Avant Bab. That's A V as in Victor A N T hyphen B as in boy A B as in boy B as in boy. Awesome. All right, Kim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the opportunity, Sean. Thanks for listening to the Payback Time Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, please provide a review on iTunes. If you'd like to hear an interview from someone specific, please make a comment on the Payback Time Facebook page. If you're interested in becoming an affiliate and earning 30% reoccurring commission for simply sharing Ticker, visit ticker.pro slash affiliates. Remember, this show is for entertainment purposes only. If you heard any stock mentioned on this podcast, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. This show is copyright protected by Payback Time. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.